In this episode, we are going to be talking about what to do and how to navigate this blame that we want to put on something or someone. Usually, when you are navigating trying to conceive an infertility as a Christian, that blame tends to run towards God. We have this blame that we feel towards Him. So we're going to navigate that together. We're going to dive into John today. Super excited for the passage that we're going to study and the points of how to navigate that blame feeling that comes as a response to the trauma of infertility and trying to conceive. So let's dive in. Hey friends, welcome to the Waiting Well podcast. I am your host, Courtney Dunker, and you are here because your journey to motherhood has not looked the way that you always imagined. It has held heartbreak, loneliness, and questions like, why me, God? I'm here to remind you that you do not have to walk this road alone. And here, we can wait well together. Each week, I will share faith-based encouragement from my own infertility journey, provide information from guest experts on navigating infertility and conceiving, powerful testimonies, and top tips on stewarding your health and emotional well-being through this demanding journey. So if you are ready to take back control of your life, find peace with God, join the in-between spaces, and thrive in your waiting season, then meet me at the well, girl. Grab that warm chocolate chip cookie, a little bit of unicorn juice or iced coffee. We've got some intentional growth to do. Let's get it. If you have been following me on Instagram, you know that our Maui community has been navigating some a mass trauma for the last week and a half. We went through some very devastating traumatic fires on our island, and our island already has limited resources, but this fire in particular was so devastating because it leveled a whole town, a very historic and cultural town for Maui and its people. And it's been very traumatic, honestly. And so our whole community has been navigating and banding together, unifying over how to help the victims who have been displaced from their homes, the people that have lost family members. And this past weekend in church, we actually had a conversation with licensed therapists on a panel, basically talking through trauma and how to navigate it, how to respond to it, as well as how to help other people navigate it. Because anyone who lives on our island has been going through that. And I felt like a lot of the takeaways were directly applicable to what we go through when we are trying to conceive and navigating infertility. So I did want to pull out one specific thing that just resonated with me over the weekend. And that was when we go through something traumatic, one of the first things that we look for or one of the first responses can be blame. We want to make sense of the trauma. We want there to be a purpose. We want to be able to put words to it, understand why it happened and how it happened and who is to blame for this because trauma is just something that our minds have a very difficult time navigating because it doesn't make sense that something so traumatic would happen, that so many people would die, that so many people would lose their homes and their loved ones, and that it would just be so absolutely devastating. It's still something that like they haven't fully gotten service over there. I mean, it's just been horrific. And I think a lot of times with our infertility journey and our trying to conceive journey, we can feel a level of trauma 
And we will want to pursue this questioning that I was hearing in the messaging of the pastors, you know, this past weekend of wanting to look for blame. And I realized, wow, like in our infertility journey, a lot of us will want to blame God. And I think that's specific for any kind of believer that is walking through something like suffering or difficulty. It's like the first person that we can latch on to is the Lord and just being like, well, you're sovereign. I know all of these things that you're sovereign, you're in control, you're over all things. So this is your fault. And and we don't know how to make sense of why God would allow something so bad to happen in our lives or that why God would allow us to suffer when he has said that children are a blessing and fruit of the womb and whatnot, right? So we are quick to turn from the trauma of infertility and go to blame. We want something to blame. We want it to make sense. And we want it to all come together so that we can process it in an emotional and mental way and be able to move forward with our lives. That's kind of a root of a lot of people's theological frustration and turmoil when they are going through something like infertility. And this was something they did say in the Sunday service is that we will see people who will have these questions of like, I don't understand why God would allow this to happen. How is God good? Where is he in this situation? Those questions when we are navigating with someone who is going through a trauma. So if you are not someone who is currently going through infertility, but you're navigating with somebody, a friend, a sister, whatnot, who is going through it, and they're verbalizing these deep theological questions and frustrations and turmoil, those questions are not meant to be answered. You are not meant to go to scripture and be like, hey, here's the answer to those deep theological questions. Here's the solution and try to fix it. Really what that person is doing when they are verbalizing those questions is they are processing their pain. And I think that's really important to hear if you are someone who is helping someone else through this journey, because our best response to those questions is to say, I understand why you could feel those emotions. I understand that this can be confusing. I understand that this is painful. And I understand where those questions are coming from. And just having an opportunity to give them space to verbally process those emotions and those feelings because that that theological rift, that relationship rift that seems to be happening in their relationship with God is really a result of their pain and suffering. And that's only something that God can heal. You as a friend, as a sister, whatever, prayer, but also giving space for them to process that pain and not feel like you're just, you know, we we want to, right? We want to help people not have division in their relationship with God. So we're like, okay, how can I give them an answer? They're obviously looking for this answer. And even on this podcast, I have to remind myself too, when people come here, they're looking for a space for their pain to just be welcome to experience it, to sit through it. Like when I look back at my six year journey of trying to conceive before Highland, there was so, and there still is so much pain there in my soul from that, those theological questions that I asked myself about God's character that were broken because pre-trauma, you had this kind of like for lack of a better word, we have this rose-colored vision of like who God is and and that's like apart from any big or trauma or suffering. Then we go through something and we start questioning those things. 
And so I want to bring us to a passage in John that's going to just give us context and essentially an answer for how we can navigate those questions and how we can provide space for them to exist, for us to be able to verbally process our pain, but also do it in a safe way that is going to honor God's character because I do feel like we can go to a place of slander of God's character, which is not, that's the enemy. And we want to be able to process this with God. Like God has space for us to have this pain, to have these questions, to pursue his character and be like, who are you? Because I'm experiencing something I've never experienced. I'm going through this trauma. I want to blame something and someone. I thought I knew you and I feel like I don't. I feel like all these questions are just sitting in my soul and I feel like they're numbing me. So let's dive in to John chapter 9. I'm going to pull up my Bible app here. And so John chapter 9 is about Jesus healing a man who was born blind. And this is such a cool chapter. It's going to be kind of lengthy, but I'm just going to go through the first few verses to begin us. It says, as he went along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seen. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am that man. How then were your eyes opened? They asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I could see. So I want to stop there because I want to dive into the first point of what this passage is going to establish for us when it comes to looking for someone to blame as we go through our infertility journey and the feelings, the emotions that come from responding to our trauma with wanting to blame. And that blame feeling comes because we kind of want to put fingers towards God. But what this shows us is that humans are actually responsible for sin, not God. This man was born blind. That is a result of sin in the world. And humans are the ones who brought sin into the world. We all fall short of the glory of God. We all have sinned. That is in scripture. And so when we look at this passage, the point of pointing out that he was born blind is to point out that this man didn't just directly sin and cause his blindness, but his blindness is a result of human sin that exists in the world. And there's a difference there. And so when we look at our infertility, a lot of times, like at least for me, I was like, God, I feel like I was a good part. Like, I feel like I didn't sin. Like I look back and I'm like, okay, I didn't do anything wrong. Like I waited until marriage and I ticked all the boxes and I feel like I was a good Christian girl. Like, why am I the one that was chosen to struggle with infertility? I don't understand it because I was looking for someone to blame and it didn't feel like I was the person to blame because my life in my eyes, (laughs) my very sinful, totally deceived eyes was basically saying that I was not 
sinful enough to deserve this, right? And God was so gracious to humble me and say, well, all disabilities, all sickness, all the problems that we face in the human body, which includes infertility, are leading to our ultimate death as a result of the sin. And so therefore, when we go back to the Garden of Eden, we can see that that is where death spread. That's where sin spread. And that still involves us to this day. I think a lot of times the battle that comes up, comes up as a result of saying that God is either all loving, but not all powerful. And therefore he cannot stop suffering or he's all powerful, but is not all loving. And therefore he won't stop suffering. And that's where we struggle, right? That's why we want to blame God. Because if we've come to a place of saying, okay, well, you didn't stop this suffering in my life. The infertility I'm going through is suffering. You have not stopped that, which means therefore, right? The logic in our mind is going, 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 that you're all powerful, but you're not all loving. You cannot love me and allow me to suffer. But the point of this passage is to point us back to the truth that number one, Suffering is a result of sin in this world, of brokenness, and Jesus Christ came to fix that, but it's not fully healed yet. We are still living in the, in the current uh, circumstances and the effects of sin because he hasn't returned again to fully heal the earth in the sense of redeeming us and giving us that new life, which comes next. And so for us, really taking the opportunity to say, okay, well, you're either or, you cannot be both. He is both. He is capable of being all powerful, capable of stopping suffering, and also all loving, allowing suffering. He can be both. And that is point number two of understanding who God is. When we want to blame him, we have to understand that God allowed this problem in the blind man's life so that he could be glorified through it. Just as he has allowed your trying to conceive journey to be challenging whether it's for a few months or a few years, or maybe he just never really fully fulfills that desire of yours to be a mom, it is for his glory. And that is difficult for us because we are selfish beings. (laughs) He is not, we are, but we are in this position of, well, well, that sucks for me, right? But when we made a decision to follow Jesus, we made a decision to lay down our life, take up the cross and follow him. He gave everything for us. It is our response of love to therefore sacrifice and to lay down our lives and follow him, take up that cross. So to expect that he would not allow suffering in our life when we are called to follow Jesus, whose whole life was a journey to the cross, which was ultimate suffering, right? That is the whole point is that God is allowing these sufferings and these problems in his all-loving character, fully existing in that and not diminishing his love for us or his goodness, it's all coexisting because he is going to be glorified through your testimony. Whether you continue to praise him, like even for before Highland, before I even knew that was an option, I had made the decision, God, I will still lift my hands. I will still praise you. I will still walk with you all the days of my life, even if I never became a mother. And that broke me. Every time I would surrender, every time I would claim that and just speak that over my life. But it was my commitment to follow Jesus. Like 
I cannot pick and choose when I follow Jesus. Is it comfortable? Okay, then yes, I follow you, Jesus. You're good. Oh, it's uncomfortable. This is suffering. This is not fun. I don't get what I want. Okay, then I'm not going to follow you. You're not good. You're not all loving. It can't be either or. You either are fully in with him and you say, I am 100% in surrender. I have surrendered my life to you and it is yours. Whatever you want to allow in my life, including suffering, I will follow you. My hands raised, lifted high. Or you choose that you will set the terms and conditions, in which case, when you face Jesus one day and he is choosing to say whose you know, life is written in the book of life, whose name is written in the book of life, why would you expect your name to be there if you set the terms and conditions instead of just stepping into the freedom that he gave you, the grace that he gave you through Jesus Christ? You can't pick and choose who God is to you and what you will allow for your life. You have to be fully surrendered. And that's difficult for us to do. This past weekend, one of our worship leaders brought up the song, It Is Well With My Soul, and the history of that song, who wrote that song, which is Horatio Spafford. This was a incredible businessman who actually was very successful financially, but lost everything in the Great Chicago Fire, as well as his son that same year who died of scarlet fever. And after going through all of that difficulty, he decided to send his family. He had four daughters um, that were left besides his son that had passed away and his wife. And he decided to send them on a Europe trip and sent them across the Atlantic on a ship. And it was actually struck by an iron sailing vessel. And his four daughters passed away in this tragedy. His wife, Anna, actually survived the tragedy. And upon arriving to Europe, she sent a telegram to her husband because he was meant to follow after. He had to finish up some things. And he received this telegram from his wife that says, saved alone. And as he went to meet his grieving wife, he was inspired to write that hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, as his ship passed near where his daughters died. We don't get to pick and choose what we allow God to do and how we allow him to write our testimonies and our life story. Because at the end of the day, everything is for his glory, including death, including not getting what we want, including the worst possible trauma or tragedy or our worst nightmare coming to reality. And I consistently have to like lay down my lay down my life in that sense of just a constant prayer in my life is, Lord, like, even if you strip me of everything that I love, still praise you. Because I want to be ready. I don't know what's coming. I feel like if if infertility has taught me anything, it's taught me that I don't know what is coming in my life. I don't know what tragedy is around the corner. And I can't predict that. And I can't prepare for it other than saying in my soul, it is well, it is well with my soul, no matter what suffering you allow in my life, it is still well with my soul. I will still praise you. And that leads us to our final point is that God will always find a way to heal us and bless us despite the sin in our lives, revealing himself to us. If we continue on in that passage, and I encourage you guys to go open up to John 9 
because it's kind of lengthy. But the Pharisees started investigating the healing because Jesus had healed this man on the Sabbath. So they're asking him time and time again. They like brought his parents in. They're like, are you sure that this is the, the son that you had that was born blind? His parents are like, let him speak for himself. He is an adult. And they, the adult, the man who got healed by Jesus multiple times was telling the Pharisees, like, you're not believing me. Like, I already told you what he did. And so eventually the man gets to the point where he says, um, I don't know. I don't know how he did it, but I was blind and now I see. And we know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not God, he could do nothing. And so then they were mad. They they threw him out because they didn't like what he was saying about Jesus and the truth. And Jesus heard that. He went and found the man again. And he said, do you believe in the son of man? And he says, yes. Um, tell me who that is so that I may believe. And he said, you are looking at him. And the man goes, Lord, I believe. And Jesus said, for judgment, I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who will see become blind. And this is just, I think, so powerful because first of all, they had a separating. This guy is inquired upon, like, how did you get healed? Because they're all worried about, you know, the lay of the law. And then he comes back to this man and he does ultimate healing in his testimony. It wasn't just physical healing. It was spiritual healing. And he reveals himself to this man because this man was like, yes, tell me about the son of man. Like, who is he? And Jesus says, it's me. He reveals himself. It's me. So as we go through our suffering, as we go through our trauma and we're looking for someone to blame, recognize that God will always find a way to heal you. But he's also going to bless you and reveal himself to you during the journey. And that process of revealing, like this man was able to learn who Jesus was as a result of the process of the journey of being blind first and then being able to be healed and then being, you know, basically attacked and criticized by the Pharisees. So when we are looking for somebody to blame, when we have this trauma response that we want to just look at God and be like, this is your fault. You are not all loving, despite what your character says in the Bible. We need to come back to passages like this that say, number one, humans are responsible for sin alone, not God. We brought this into the world. Then as a result, all this suffering, this physical suffering that we go through is a result of sin and death. And number two, we need to understand rather than blame God. God is allowing suffering into our life for a purpose. There is glory to be had in the testimony, in the refining fire, and asking God to be glorified by the removal of the problem. At the end of the day, the man's blindness was removed and God was glorified. That is so beautiful. What a beautiful picture of our journey on going to motherhood, right? And that we can trust God to heal us in whatever capacity he is looking for, whether it is just spiritual or it is physical too, knowing that he is revealing to us who he is and that we can trust him that he is all loving. We see his love in this passage, his mercy, that even though there wasn't a specific sin that this man or his parents did, he was just born blind as a result of sin in the world. Kind of like us, we want to have some reason why we're going through infertility. We want to have some reason why we cannot conceive naturally. When maybe it's just a result of sin and suffering and death being existing in the world. And there is no one to blame except that 
except that God in his great mercy and great love for us is not done with the story. He's not done with your story and the testimony that he is writing that's going to bring him glory. And he's going to reveal himself to you. That's the most important thing that he could give you in your journey of suffering is to reveal himself to you. It's not healing. Physical healing is of some value, but spiritual healing, knowing who God is and truly coming to peace with those theological questions that come up of like, is God all loving and good when he is allowing these hard and difficult and traumatic things into my life? Finding spiritual healing there because God has revealed himself to you on your path of suffering is the ultimate glory and the ultimate goal of God for his children. So I just wanted to take a second and thank you guys for listening. I know it's so difficult to navigate this, but I do have a really incredible masterclass that I will be offering that is linked in the show notes. This is a $37 to jump on a group Zoom call where I will be walking you through just the more tangible tools to be able to navigate this journey in a way that's going to see a relationship with the Lord, continuing to grow, continuing to heal, and also give you more power than you might feel over your thoughts because your thoughts are what actually dictate how you feel during this journey. If you are feeling defeated and in pain and depressed and numb because of your journey, Put tools in your toolbox to be able to navigate that and be able to take back control because God's word says that you have control over what you think. And when you have control over what you think, you get to dictate how you feel. So I want to be able to equip you to do that. You can sign up in the show notes down below and I will see you guys in the next episode. I am so glad that you chose to meet me at the well today. If this episode inspired you, changed you, or blessed you in some way, I would love for you to do one of two things. First, head to Apple Podcasts at that link below and leave a review. And second, screenshot this episode and share it in your stories, tagging me at Sewn With Strength, or text it on over to a friend that this episode might bless. These are the number one ways to thank me. I am truly so grateful to be building out this community and I cannot wait to see you on the next episode. Until then, go get a workout done for me and I will see you right back here at the Waiting Well Podcast.